be reading verses 1 through 11. And as you turn to Acts 1, 1 through 11, I'm very excited for our new series in Acts. Our whole series is going to focus on the fact that Jesus' goal for the church, the whole church, the church around the world, the church here at Grace, Jesus' goal for the whole church is to make mature disciples. And in preparing for this sermon, I learned something cool about the title of our book. Uh, Most manuscripts are titled uh, various versions of Acts of the Apostles, but the earliest title is either simply Acts, as in the things that were done, or my new personal favorite title for this book, The Things That Are Begun With God. The Things That Are Begun With God. Praxis Arche Sonteo. I love that title. I love that it's most naturally read in the present tense. It's not simply the things that were begun with God in the past, but they're not done now. No, it's the kinds of things that are begun with God today. Uh, When we read Acts, we are not reading of the kinds of things that Jesus did in the past, but he doesn't do anymore. No, they are the kinds of things that Jesus is doing now with us. Or as the title has it, that we are doing with him. This is a book about the way that Jesus works, the way he acts in us, with us, for us, and through us today. Uh, Now, I know it's going to raise questions about miracles and healings and can there be new apostles. No. Uh, We're going to talk about all of that as it comes up in our series. We're going to get to all of that. But for this morning, I want to start, I want us to start seeing that we are called to do things with Jesus today. Uh, We are called to act with Jesus in the world. And what Jesus is doing particularly and powerfully is making disciples through our witness and maturing them in the faith. So to help us start seeing this wonderfully beautiful and powerful vision of the church's life and mission, Uh, I want to read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, which is Luke's introduction to this book. And I want to look briefly at sort of three big things. First, discipleship is the goal of our life together. Second, the Holy Spirit is the power that makes that goal achievable. And then third and finally, we're going to reflect on the fact that Jesus is the reason we have this goal to live for and the reason we have the Holy Spirit to bring it to fruition. I was going to say Jesus is the reason for the season, uh, but I didn't think that would communicate to you exactly what you're going to find here in the sermon. Uh, But those are the points. So let's read Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. Let's pray and then we'll start our reflection together. Acts chapter 1, starting in the first verse. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, It is not for you 
to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And he said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Thus far the reading of what can only be God's own word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, we know that it is your tool to help us to walk in the light of life, to bring life and joy and transformation. But Lord, we know that if your spirit does not bless the word to us, it will not accomplish any of these things in our life. And so Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will give us humility without which we know no one can understand your word. And he would give us ears to hear minds to understand and hearts to believe your word. And Father, may the words of my mouth as your preacher and may the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, these 11 verses record an amazing time in church history, right? Jesus, who had been crucified, who died, who was buried, he's now resurrected from the dead. Jesus has conquered the power of death. He's accomplished forgiveness. He's, he's won. Jesus is one. And now he's going around showing himself to his disciples. And Luke tells us in verse 2 that he appeared to his apostles. And then in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul will tell us that Jesus showed himself to more than 500 disciples at one time. Now, you would expect, and what the disciples clearly expected, is that this would be the end of history as we know it. Jesus is going to, to bring the kingdom of heaven down. He's going to recreate the heavens and the earth. Uh, the wicked are going to be judged. The righteous are going to be rewarded. God's people are going to be uh, brought into glory. I mean, what else is there left to do? But instead, we're told in verse 3 that Jesus spent 40 days, right, about a month and a half, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And just as a reminder, prior to his crucifixion, Jesus had already spent three to four years teaching them about the kingdom of God. That's how uh, Jesus' preaching and teaching ministry is summarized in all the, all the Gospels. It's about the kingdom of God. So Jesus spent three to four years preaching about the kingdom of God. And you can read all of that in all the Gospels. He dies. He's raised in victory and in glory. And then he preaches for 40 more days about the kingdom of God. And this is confusing. And it's why the disciples asked Jesus in verse 6, Lord, will, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, Jesus, now that we've, we've done the refresher course on what your kingdom is like, uh, isn't this the part where all the glory and blessings descend from heaven and we ride on unicorns on heaven's rainbow streets? You don't know what heaven's like. It could be that way. Uh, but Jesus' response is effectively, no. It's not time for the kingdom of God to appear in that way. Uh, that's not the season that we're in. This isn't the time for glory. It's the time for mission. 
This isn't the time to finish the work of the kingdom. It's a time to expand the work of the kingdom. This isn't the time of the final judgment. It's time for the expanding, amazing mercies of Jesus to cover the face of the earth. And by the way, Jesus says, when this season will change from mission, work, and mercy uh, to glory and completion, that's not, right? That's verse seven. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And just to give a kind of a brief side comment, uh, we talked a lot earlier this year about seasons in our life with God, haven't we? Uh, we talked about spring seasons of new beginnings. We talked about summer seasons of vibrant life and fruition, fall seasons of harvest change and even death, and winter seasons of barrenness and also of rest and that kind of hidden growth that God does before he brings a new spring season to birth in his lives of his people again. And the disciples were basically asking Jesus, if now was the time when they were going to get the season of life with God that they wanted more than anything, that I hope that we want more than anything, which is that eternal, joyful, deathless, sinless blessedness. Right? Like, is now the time when the kingdom appears in glory and we have all good things all the time, all together with our all good God? And Jesus' reply to us, his reply to the disciples, is that when that season begins, and in fact, when all seasons in our individual lives and in our life as a congregation begin, when they end, how long they will endure, that isn't for you and I to know. I think it's a good thing for us to keep this in mind in our life together with God. This is an important aspect of Christian maturity because it takes our focus away from questions that will not be answered, and instead, it puts our focus on what Jesus wants us to do with him in the season that we're in. See, the question Jesus wants to teach Christians to ask isn't, when will God change this season? It's, what does Jesus want to do with me and in me and through me in this season? There's a powerful verse in the Old Testament that is very much worth memorizing. Uh, it's Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. This is, you should write this down. You should memorize this verse. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, so that we may do all the words of this law. Isn't that wonderful? The secret Things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed, the things that are revealed to us in the Word of God, they belong to us and to our children forever so that we can follow Jesus and do all the words of his law. I think here Jesus is taking that verse, which he already revealed in the Old Testament, and he's applying it in paraphrase sort of way to his disciples, and he's applying it to us. See, the most amazing event in history has happened. Jesus has, Jesus has won. Jesus has paid the penalty for sins. He's been raised from the dead. And so death has lost its sting because resurrection glory is our guaranteed and unchangeable destiny as God's people. But we are not yet in a season where that glory is going to be revealed in the ways that we most deeply want. It isn't time yet for the new heavens and the new earth to Descend. It isn't time yet for the resurrection 
uh, into life. What is it time for? It's time for bearing witness to Jesus. That's what Jesus says at the end of verse 8. But you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And my friends, this idea of being witnesses for Jesus is the task that Jesus has set before us in this season. It will be our task and it will be our children's task and their children's task and their children's children's task until the day that Jesus returns in glory. What does Jesus want me to do in this season? What does he want us to do in this season as we await his return? He wants us to be his witnesses. Now, there's so much that we're going to say about this in our series as we go on, but for right now, I want to just sort of say three big things about it. These are just sort of hooks that I want you to hang some kind of conceptual hats on because I think that will help us uh, live out our calling of witness bearing that the Lord has given us as a church until he returns. And we're going to use these hooks over and over again. Here's the first hook. This is the biggest hook. Um, and really, this is the overarching theme of our entire series. I, I said at the very beginning, we bear witness in order to make mature disciples. We bear witness in order to make mature disciples. And this is key. Disciples are people who follow Jesus and learn from Jesus so they, they can be more like Jesus, right? That's what a disciple is. That's what mature disciples do. They grow up and they mature so that they look more like their teacher, so that they look more like Jesus. And I say this because for too many of us, bearing witness simply means telling people about Jesus and getting them to make a decision to repent and believe. And now clearly it means that for those who are outside of the covenant community, obviously, but it means so much more than that too. Being a witness isn't simply or only telling people who Jesus is and what he's done. It's also helping people follow Jesus in their daily life. It's about getting our entire lives internally, our thoughts, our emotions, our desires, our internal world and our external world, the way we inhabit space with our bodies and our words, the way we listen, the way we act, the way we touch and don't touch each other, the way we the communicate. It's about getting our entire lives, our internal world, our external world, conformed, wrapped around Jesus's word and his ways and his will so that internally we sound more like Jesus, we look more like Jesus, and externally people can actually feel the presence of Christ as he radiates from us because we've been conformed to him. So like, as important as a sinner's prayer is, which if you don't know what that term is, it's the first prayer to Jesus for salvation that someone prays. So Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. As important as that prayer is, and it's clearly important, the life of discipleship is just as important. Learning to worship, learning to love, learning to love your enemies learning self-control, learning gentleness, learning how to turn the other cheek when you are struck, learning how to serve Jesus with your money, learning how to serve Jesus with your time, learning what forgiveness looks like, how to give it, how to keep giving it, learning how to listen, right? Not in a, 
I'm, I'm listening so that I can judge you and tell you how to what level of hell you're going to, but listen so that I can say, oh, you know, I think I hear Jesus calling in this discussion. Like learning how to pray, how to develop a life of prayer, how to wrap your life, your daily life into communion with God and prayer and fellowship. Learning how to be wise. These are all part of what it means to be Jesus' witnesses as we are going to see as we move through the book of Acts. Because the goal of our witness is to make mature disciples. That's why Jesus says, go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So time is flying. Uh, Let me quickly give you two more hooks uh, because I want to cover our last two points. The first hook is to bear witness in order to make disciples. The second hook is go and tell. The third hook is come and see. Go and tell, come and see. And on these hooks, we're going to learn how discipleship begins and how it grows. So uh, quickly, part of bearing witness to Jesus means obeying his command to go out and tell people about the love and grace of God that is found in Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Now, I know some of you heard me say earlier, potentially, I don't know this, but some of you may have heard me say a few minutes ago, not to go and tell. That's not what I said. I said, it's not all that we do. (laughs) That's not the end goal, right? No, part of what we have to do is we have to go and we have to tell. We have to speak the gospel to our neighbors with our mouths, using words that are comprehensible and comprehensible and whatever other comprehend word needs to be used for us to, you have to talk, right? Uh, And we're going to talk about this much more specifically as our series goes on, but because uh, going and telling is so familiar to most of us, and we're going to have a goer and teller talk to us in a little bit, uh, I'm going to move on to our third hook, which is come and see. Uh, Come and see is maybe not so familiar, but it's a huge part of the church's witness and acts. This is where the world encounters the church. They come to where the church is, to where Christians are whether that's in worship or in our homes or in the park or in work or in the store. And there the world sees the presence of Jesus in the way that we are living, in the way we treat other people, in the way that we relate to other people. Jesus talks about letting your good deeds shine before the world so that when they see them, they would praise your Father who is in heaven and ask them for the reason for the hope that lies within We're going to see this throughout the book of Acts. We've all experienced times when we have seen kindness, mercy, hospitality, forgiveness, confession of sin performed by Christians. And in those actions, those words, we've we've seen the presence and power of Jesus. And in seeing that and experiencing that, it's called us to our own maturing faith, right? Well, that's, that's what Jesus looks like. I need to follow that one. I need to look more like that or we've seen those things and we recognize that they were somehow otherworldly and we and we wanted to know what we were seeing and so we asked what is all of that about and then we got to hear about jesus my friends in the season of waiting for the return of jesus and the coming of the kingdom jesus is calling us to begin the work of making mature disciples by bearing witness which means by going and telling people about Jesus, but also by being a people where the world can come and see 
taste the goodness and power and presence of our resurrected Savior among us together. And that brings me to my second point, which is the Holy Spirit is the power that God gives us to accomplish this goal. And this was supposed to be my longest point, but given the time, uh, it's not going to be. That's okay, because Acts talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, so we're going to cover, I think, all of it eventually. Uh, Let me just say this. Notice that when Jesus disappoints his disciples by telling them it's not time for the kingdom to come in its fullness, uh, and I say disappoints, it has to have been disappointing. Jesus is now the time when death and sin and heartache and violence and broken relationships is now the time when all of that's done? No. And you don't get to know what time that is. Like, that's obviously disappointing, right? I think we all kind of feel disappointment when we hear that. We can enter into the disciples' own experience of that word from Jesus. And with disappointment often comes tiredness and sadness and often fear. The disciples clearly knew as Jesus was finishing that sentence that all of the kingdom sermons that dealt with how to live like Jesus in a fallen world, how to love your enemies, how to treat those who persecute you, how to pray for those who persecute you, how to be generous, how to be patient, how to be enduring, like all of that, the need to go out and make disciples who also need to learn how to live like that in a fallen world, they must have understood as he was finishing those words, well, that's now our role. That's now our job. We're taking on the role of of kingdom preachers, kingdom workers, like Jesus did. And that's scary. And it's tiring to think about. You can't tell me that some of you, when I talked about bearing witness, meaning making mature disciples of Jesus that were called to go and tell and to be a people where they can come and see Jesus. I know some of you were excited, but like some of you were probably a little tired out by the idea. Maybe some of you were scared by the idea. And that's why I think after telling us this, that this is the season that we're in, Jesus' very next sentence was in verse eight, but, why does he start with but? Like, don't be afraid, like, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The power to bear witness, to talk about Jesus when it's scary and intimidating. The power to mature as a Christian and grow in our spiritual and emotional health. The power to forgive, the power to repent, the power to trust and to rebuild trust. And you're going to see that in Acts too. The power to encourage the power to be self-controlled and to be humble, the power to love others like Jesus himself does, the power to be growing in loyalty to God and to mature in the faith in a world full of idols. Praise God, that does not come from you. It doesn't come from me. It's not something you well up within you. It's not something that I have to give you. Again, thank God. And you should be thanking God because if it was on me, y'all be in trouble, right? This isn't something we purchase This isn't something we make. It isn't something we earn. This power is a gift, and it's a gift that God gives in the presence and person of his Holy Spirit who indwells and empowers every individual Christian. 
the power to be Jesus' witnesses, the power to live for Jesus, to make disciples, to grow as disciples, comes from the very presence of God who lives with us because he has given his presence to us and he always gives us his presence every day. You see, what Jesus is telling us is that the disciples he is making through us, he is also making with us. The life of discipleship is a thing that is begun with God because the Holy Spirit is God with us. That's why Jesus is named Emmanuel, right? Now we're going to talk more about what all that means and looks like as the series goes on, but I want you to see that the time God has us living in is also a time that God himself lives with us in. And he isn't living with us as a bystander or a manager. He's living with us as a participant, as a worker who accomplishes the task of building his kingdom. And he's, he's not just a participant or worker though alongside of us he's also the very power that accomplishes that goal as he brings us alongside of him to work in us that which is pleasing in his sight right like we are brought into this mission of jesus to work beside him and then we are empowered by him so that we will run and not grow weary walk and not grow faint and be able to do the things that are impossible because jesus himself is present in our life through the holy spirit when i say do things impossible i don't mean like miracles and healings. I mean like talk in scary situations and bear witness and love your enemies, which I think is way more hard than healing. Like loving people who are mean to you, hard. <laughs> the Spirit gives you the power to do that so that people can taste and see Jesus is in you. And my prayer, um, my friends, is that that gives us all hope. My friends, our goal for the rest of the year and into the next year is to become more faithful in our calling to make disciples of Jesus through witness bearing. And we can do that with confidence because this is the kind of thing that is begun with God today. The Holy Spirit will empower us. He will help us. He will change us. He will grow us. He will bless us as we prayerfully seek to live as witnesses to Jesus. Okay, final point. Jesus is the reason for the season. Now you get the season reference, right? This season of life before the return of Christ. Uh, that's going to focus on the ascension. This was going to be my second longest point. It's now going to be the shortest. It's okay. I actually have a previous sermon on the ascension from this passage. You can find it in our sermon archives if you want to think sort of more deeply about the ascension than we have time for this morning. But kids, ascension comes from the word ascend, which means to go up. So the ascension is when Jesus, in verse 9, goes up and a cloud takes him out of the apostles' sight. This is when Jesus leaves for heaven and takes his seat as the conquering king. So uh, this is what the ascension means in a few nutshells. Let me just give you some bullet points here. Uh, at the ascension, Jesus goes and puts our resurrection treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. It's why we have a steadfast anchor of the soul in heaven, as Hebrews says. At the ascension, Jesus sits down on the throne at the right hand of the Father, symbolizing that the work of redemption and forgiveness is accomplished. At the ascension, Jesus is crowned and installed as the loving and faithful king, 
who takes up his rule over his people and over the whole world. Right? That's Psalm 2. Uh, the Father installs his anointed king over all the kings and over all the kingdoms of the whole earth. And at the ascension, because Jesus is king, we can be assured that all things will work together for those who are called according to Jesus' purposes because the king who reigns in heaven, over heaven and earth, is the king who died and rose again to save us and who walks with us daily by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, and here's a summary, I should have probably given these first, Jesus ascends to give us a home. He ascends to give us a hope. He ascends to give us a haven, which is a place of refuge, and a help. Jesus ascends to give us a home, a hope, a haven, and a help. Or as Paul says, it's so much more powerfully in Ephesians 4, verse 8. He ascended on high. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to people. And chief among those gifts, of course, is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and the calling to be witnesses to his glory. He, he's given us a purpose, beloved. He's given us his presence and he's given us his promises so that we can accomplish his purpose because he's present with us. My friends, my prayer for us is that as we go through this series, we would grow in our excitement and grow in our confidence in Jesus and what he is doing here with us and in us and that we would embrace wholeheartedly his call to be his witnesses who by the power of the Holy Spirit make disciples and grow and mature as disciples in the faith, that we would enter into the joy of doing the things that today are begun with God. Please join me in praying for this as we go through this series together and let's prayerfully and confidently work to make and grow disciples of Jesus because Jesus reigns. And beloved, we have the power and presence of the Holy Spirit with us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you begin the amazing work of making mature disciples with us. Uh, please help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to go and tell the world about Jesus and to be a place and to be a people where the world can come and see that Jesus is, is good and gracious and merciful. And please help us to do this in the confidence that our Lord Jesus has indeed risen from the dead, that he's one, that he's seated on the throne, that he's giving us his good gifts, and that he's working all things to our good. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let's sing in celebration and commitment.